Thank you, Father Thomas. We are, all of our children are learning about eschatology now, so that's very, very special. Thank you. It's great uh, to be with all of you today, and God's love and grace and blessings be with you. I want to thank Tom, Father Thomas for reading two gospel passages today as well. So thank you very much. Um, actually, one follows the other, and I was going to mention the former one that he read, the first one that he read, because Jesus is walking on water, which we heard in today's gospel passage, was preceded by him feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves of bread and two fish and having 12 baskets left over. And that was following his hearing of the news that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been beheaded. He went to the wilderness to pray, came back and saw this great throng of people after having and speaking with them, fed them out of compassion. And then following that, he, he told his disciples to go out in the boat. He went back to the mountains to pray. And then he, at the late hours of early morning, before sunrise, walks on the water. I'm going to get to that in just a second. With that in mind, every Sunday we have three uh, New Testament readings. In Matins, we have a gospel passage. There are 11 gospels that are read in succession. Once in a while, there's a, uh, a change to that, as was the case last Sunday, because last Sunday was a feast day of the uh, Dormition or the Chemises of the Virgin Mary, and that took precedence over the one of the 11 gospel passages for Orthros. But 95% of the time, we will alternate one of those 11 resurrectional gospels, so they are gospel passages after the resurrection on a rotating basis. So we have the ninth one today, and then, of course, we had the epistle reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And then we had the gospel passage today from Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to touch upon each of them and a few verses in each of them. And I'm going to look upon them chronologically. In other words, the epistle readings happened after the death and resurrection of Christ, right? Chronologically. The gospel passage today where Jesus walked on water took place in the context of the gospel, and the resurrectional gospel took place at the end of each of those four gospels. So chronologically, we have the gospel reading we heard today, first. Second, we have the gospel reading from Matins, which is after the resurrection of our Lord. And then thirdly, we have the epistle reading. So let's look today's, at today's gospel passage. Can you imagine in the middle of the night, there's waves going on, there's a wind blowing, and the disciples are afraid, and they look up and they see somebody on the water. And Jesus says, do not be afraid, it is I. The Greek word is eroimi. It can be translated to I am as well. If it is translated to I am, that would be the Greek translation of the name for God from the Hebrew. is either Elohim or Yahweh. Yahweh. Thank you very much. Yahweh means I am. 
And if we remember, there were times in the gospel passage where Jesus said, I am, and the Jews picked up stones to stone him because he made himself equal to God. The Greek translation of Yahweh is Eroimi, I am. So he said, do not be afraid, I am. And what did Peter respond? If you are, if it is you, bid me to walk on the water to you. And what did Jesus say? Come. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. As he has his eyes fixed on our Lord, he continues to be on top of the water. But the very moment that he takes his eyes off of Jesus, what happens? The very moment that he looks around and sees the boisterous sea, the waves and hears the wind, what happens? He sinks. After which he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus pulls him out. They get into the boat. Oh, you of little faith. Not only to Peter, but to the disciples. And they say, truly, you are the Son of God. So they have an inkling of Jesus being the Son of God, of his divine nature coming forward in that event in Matthew 14. Let's skip to the gospel passage today, which was the gospel in Orthros, the ninth gospel in Orthros. And in that gospel, it is the encounter of Jesus with his disciples immediately following his his resurrection, as recorded in the gospel of John chapter 20. And he's with 11, actually 10 of them, plus others, because Judas has gone, had already gone to hang himself. 10 of the 12 then, of the 11 remaining, 10 of the 11 were there, with the exception of Thomas. When the disciples who had seen Jesus and dined with him said that they had seen the Lord, Thomas's response, unless I see him with my own eyes and touch his side and put my hands in the mark of the nails, I will not believe. The following Sunday, the Sunday after Pascha, they are gathered together and Jesus enters into the room, walking through the door, even though it was closed, and says immediately, Thomas, come up and put your hand in my side and your hand in my hand, in the mark of the nails, and do not remain faithless, but be believing. To which Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. Jesus says, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen. That's us. And yet believe. I want to point out the progression. When they see him, they see a a touch of his divine nature when he's walking on water. And they say, truly, you are the son of God. We proceed to after the resurrection, and in that gospel passage, in the second encounter with Thomas, Thomas says, my Lord and my God, not just the Son of God, my Lord and my God. So look at the faith progression at that point, because he has seen. St. Gregory, the theologian, says that with Thomas's disbelief, the fact that he was not there but then saw him later, he heals the 
wounds of our own disbelief. By his disbelief, he, wounds the, he heals the wounds of our own disbelief. And we are able to, like him, say, my Lord and my God. Now, I would like to conclude going chronologically from the life of our Lord to after his resurrection, now to the apostolic times in 1 Corinthians in the epistle reading that we heard today, and I'm going to read a couple of verses from there. It's from 3, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 9 through 17. I'm going to read it. Brothers and sisters, we are, all, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can one lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each person's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. That's the day of judgment. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any person has built on the foundation survives, he or she will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, they will suffer loss, though they themselves will be saved, but only as through fire. And this is what I really want to focus on. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and that temple you are. So a progression of faith. Believing with Jesus, as Jesus is the Son of God, you and I are invited to likewise be disciples and accept him as the Son of God. Seeing his resurrection, his glory, his divine and life-giving grace and presence, you and I are invited along with his disciples today, not just 2,000 years ago, today to say, like Thomas, my Lord and my God. And what does it say to, what does it mean to say my Lord and my God? It means that we live with that exuding out of our body. We inhale of God's grace and we exhale of God's love in our interpersonal relationships, the way that we treat one another, the way we love, the way we forgive, the way we care for. Because you and I are the body of Christ. We are the temple of God. Each one of us personally, but this is speaking more collectively. It's speaking to us as the body of believers. We are the body. We are the uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. I want to conclude going back to the gospel passage today with Peter's focus, focus upon our Lord, and in the midst of that focus, walking a straight line of grace, of grace-filled presence towards our Lord. 
But the moment he took his eyes off of our Lord Jesus, the moment he became focused on the things that were around him, taking his eyes off our Lord is when he sank. And I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things going on in our world today that can easily take our focus off of our Lord and Savior. I'm going to conclude with this saying from Archmandrite Seraphim Alexiev. It is in vain that some unenlightened people seek the greatest evil for man somewhere else rather than in sin. Some consider disease to be the greatest evil, others poverty, and others death. But neither disease, nor poverty, nor death, nor any other earthly disaster can be such a great evil for us as is sin. These earthly misfortunes do not separate us from God if we are seeking him sincerely, but on the contrary, they bring us closer to him. Let us therefore keep our focus on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this crazy times in which we are living, in the times of terrible situations such as the one in Afghanistan right now, terrible situations in the world because in the midst of the COVID challenge for us in America, please, please understand that we are better off than 95% of the people, 98% of the people worldwide. Please understand that the challenge and opportunity for us is to focus on Jesus, on a loving Lord, to not, because he is our savior. And in the political unrest that is a part of our day, to not be dissuaded, to surely focus on helping to the best of our ability all of those who are in need, but by focusing first and foremost on our Lord and God. Because you and I, my dear people, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. May that temple grow and flourish within us personally and collectively for the glory of God through the intercessory prayers of his mother, the Virgin Theotokos, and St. Catherine the Grace Martyr, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God the Father, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.